Pod Only Knows is a Cage Club podcast. For other smart podcasts on culture, pop, and otherwise, go to cageclub.me. You can contact us via email at pok at cageclub.me. You can find me on Twitter at probablyrealjb. And you can find me at kelly underscore j underscore baker. And you can find the show on Twitter at podonlyknowspod. The show is written and produced by us. Welcome to Pod Only Knows. I'm John Brooks. And I'm Kelly Baker. How's it going, Kelly? Well, this is my birthday episode. <gasps> is that your is that your good news? That well, it could be my good news, but I'm okay. mostly excited that I get a birthday episode during mm-hmm. our first season. So this is very exciting to me. Um Yeah, and- we 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 missed my birthday by one day. So I know, I know. It's uh all these Leo birthdays um up together. So <laughs> congratulations, your host are another year older, but I'm the one that gets to celebrate and John mm-hmm. doesn't, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no. The celebrations all died yesterday. All yeah. the they're the last gone. little bit of confetti fell out of the ceiling yeah. and sadly well, dropped to the floor and yeah. It's also one of those where um, I have thought that I was 43 for a year already. Oh, I do that all the time. I'm always underestimating my age, though, I think. (laughs) I can't remember. Maybe I'm overestimating. I can't remember. I always get my age wrong. My wife's like, that's not how old you are. And I'm like, I always get it wrong. No, I looked at a medical intake form a couple months ago and they were like 42. And I was like, I'm not 42. I'm 43. Like, yeah. And then I like did the math in my head and I was like, I've been calling myself 43 for a whole year before I was actually 43. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mostly round up. I think I mostly up over by a year as well. I don't, sometimes I go under, I don't know. Yeah. When did that start for you? I don't know, but I feel like it happened in my late 30s where after yeah. that it was like, and then I hit 40 and it was all over, right? Like at that point I felt like, then it was like, I knew I was 40, but after that, then especially I was like, am I 41? Am yeah. I 42? Now I've just already <laughs> jumped you ahead 41? to 43. <laughs> like it's just, anyway. So it's just kind of silliness, right? Where I was like, now I turn 43 and it feels sort of uneventful because I've already been 43 for a year in my brain. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I think it's, I was thinking like 36 is when I started being like someone would ask how old I was and I had to like think about it. Yeah. Like think hard, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> well, at, least, at least mine is easy because it's 1980. Yeah. So the math is easier, yeah. right? Like, yeah. but still I find myself being like, huh? Um, right. Let me think on this one about because my kids are obsessed with ages, right? So they're always like, How old are you again? And I'm like, Right, figure out. Like, I can tell you how old they are, right? But I like, I can't remember how old I am. So, um, well, the math's only easy if you remember what year it is as well, which is something else that I keep doing. uh I know. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to. 2024 or 22 or something yeah some year some year no i was like welcome to pot only knows where we also talk about what happens to your brain in your 40s yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where we're like 
like, do we know what year it is? Maybe not. Do we know our age? Also, maybe not. Come join and us. It's like for not a joke, too. Like, I wish it was a joke. I, <laughs> I really do. A, I know. It's really not, though. It's really not. Um, yeah. But no, that's that's part of my good news birthday episode, which awesome. is exciting. Yep. Mm-hmm. The other piece of my good news is I started a small press to host my books. Whoa. So now, so now my books are under Final Girl Books, and you can find them on Kindle for right now. Okay. And paperbacks are coming soon, which is okay. super exciting with new covers. Um but yeah, no, I took um, what was not an opportunity, which was a small independent press that had my books closing and decided instead I was going to turn it into an opportunity. So this is kind of neat. So I now mm. am a small independent press owner <laughs> 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 alongside all the other things that I do. But yeah, so that's kind of cool and neat and not something I was expecting to do and um got to learn a whole bunch of new talents about like trim size and like yeah so like what does that you know, actually like mean like what is like, uh, what? it means that you put ebooks together and okay. you like then you also can get the software that puts together the paperbacks too and i mean the the reality of it is now in like our age of like you can find an app for everything mm-hmm. it's not as hard as it might have been like 10 years ago to do this which is basically like self publishing right um mm. but you know it was easier because i already had files for books because they were already with a publisher but yeah so i got to learn a whole new brand brand new app that taught me how to do this kind of stuff and then fought with it for you know a certain amount of time to figure out how to use it um because you know 40 year old brains and all um but um 43 year old brains right um you know (laughs) to do this but yeah no so it's pretty cool like and amazon makes it pretty easy to do this and the goal is eventually to be on other practices platforms digitally as well and I'm sort of slowly rolling that out but it means that all my books will still be available and still exist the ones that were with this small independent press so they won't disappear which is the major concern that I had and so it was a project for my summer that's finally coming to fruition Mm -hmm. so it's like a nice birthday present for me that Mm -hmm. all this work that I've done is now paying off so Mm -hmm. that's kind of cool you know awesome Uh, yeah yeah very cool Um, not terrifying at all i mean i totally like was calm and laid back about this yeah yeah yeah. the entire time you know as as you are want to do as i tend to be as all of our listeners know i am remarkably (laughs) chill (laughs) i don't get anxious about anything ever Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. so you know not at all So what's your good news, John? Uh, I mean, it's 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 hard to say because aside from it being my birthday yesterday uh, and turning forty four, whoa, yeah, I think I got it right. You did, you did, because you're a year older than me. I know, I know, know. yeah. This is how we make it work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and so like from from where we're actually recording right now, we are in the midst of like a lot of chaos of packing for a two-week international trip that i will be on uh you know by the time this is this is uh sent out to the world and and actually just a few days away from it being over so like it's a lot of chaos right now but uh in the midst of all the chaos uh i today bought uh tickets to take the girls to fenway park sort of for the first time um in september 
oh, right fun. towards the end of the season. Um, so yeah, my uh, my in laws for Christmas got me some like Fenway Park money, basically you know money that you can put towards buying tickets or whatever. Um, yeah, so we've been meaning to go all summer, but it's been a very chaotic summer and uh, haven't really had had the time. But uh, yeah, so it is September the twenty fourth that we're gonna go. The oldest has been once, but she was like less than two years old. Um, yeah, that doesn't count. No. Uh, and we live in right next to Worcester, so we have AAA baseball right down the street. So they've been to a bunch of um, Woo Sox games, but they've never been to Fenway. So um, they are I'm old sorry. enough. Nope. You got to say it again. Woo Sox? Yeah. Woo Sox? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. The Woo Sox are the, are the Worcester Red Sox, and they're called the Woo Sox. W O O S O X. That's like their official, official okay. name. Uh, so they've never been to Fenway, and uh, I I was like four, maybe five when I went to Fenway the first time. So I was even younger, and I remember it very well. So uh, they're old enough that they're gonna uh, remember it, and it's gonna be good. Uh, and even with <laughs> even with the gift cards, it was expensive. But yeah, um, yeah, going to sports games is so ridiculous. I mean, God. A lot of money. How do all these people afford to go to these sports games that I see them on the TV all the time? I always wonder that, and uh, it's very strange. But um, it also happens to be the kids run the bases day. So, like, when the game's over, they get to go down to the field and run around on Fenway Park. Yeah, I know. Super awesome. I never got to do that when I was a kid. So, a little jealous, but that may or may not be the reason why I picked that specific. Yeah, someone's got to go down there with them. You know, they got to be supervised yeah, somehow. That's right. So. Like some responsible adult I guess has to take that to go duty. down onto the field and run around <laughs> the bases <laughs> on Fenway Park. If you you're know. forced to, if you're mm-hmm. forced to. So yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, uh, happy birthday and uh, stuff. Thanks. Yeah, happy belated birthday to you. <laughs> I, know. I know, birthday, birthday, birthday. <laughs> Uh, anyways, all right. So, um, who who's our guest today? Okay, so for the birthday episode, I promise I'm not going to say it like 200 times. But oh, it's your birthday. Maybe like 15 more. I don't mm-hmm. know. We can count. Yeah. Um, so today we have the Reverend Solomon Missouri joining us, Twitter's pastor. Um, and I got him to give me his bio in his own words. And oh, it is great. Amazing. Love it. So Let's I'm going to read it. So yeah. in his own words, he says that the Reverend Solomon Missouri is, and I quote, a constant engine of chaos Southern, Mm. soulful, and thoughtful, end quote. He's, quote, (laughs) thinking through the divine hope and a love that powers us through, end quote. And he's also writing a book right now called Not a Christian Dating Book, which we're going to talk with him more about as our time goes on. So I can't wait to get into our conversation with him. And like always, I am hyped (laughs) that we have him on the show today. And listeners won't know this, but you're also wearing merch. So. I am wearing I am wearing <laughs> Solomon Missouri merch today. So if our other guests had merch, I would wear their merch too. So yeah. you know, this is something that we got to keep in mind. We will come to your house. <laughs> we'll spend a come week to your you. house and spend a week with you. And we will wear your merch. We will wear your merch. Yes, yeah. this is what we can offer. Yeah. <laughs> the pod only knows experience. <laughs> Solomon, I am so glad you were able to join us today for my birthday episode. So I promised our listeners I would only say this like 15 times or so. And I feel like you're on like 17, I think. I think I've used almost (laughs) all of them already, but that's okay in the intro. Um, And so I'm excited that you're here because 
means that we have Twitter's pastor with us today. Yeah. Or so, I, do, you, do you prefer X's pastor or do you still go oh, with Twitter? Oh, no. Don't say it. <laughs> don't um, say it. No, it's okay. We're going to oh, call it Twitter. Yeah. We're good. Now, now it's X. Well, you know what? Your mama called you Twitter. I'm gonna call you Twitter. Yeah. I feel. I feel like that's that's a good stance to have. Yeah. With this. But only with Twitter and nothing else. Right. Like, yeah. Let's not, right. Let's like, not apply like, that to people. Just no, a, we don't. Like, like if you choose a new name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're not gonna. We don't dead name yeah. people. We definitely did name Elon corporations. Yes. Yeah. No, I feel like uh, the rules don't apply with so much that involves Elon. It just really they just don't. I still um, refuse to use the word meta for like any purpose aside from you know it's Greek meaning. I don't call the corporation. It's Facebook. <laughs> it's I don't. Right. It's I still don't, Facebook. Don't yeah. Still Facebook. Shit. No, no, it can't be anything else. You, you suck just as bad no matter what you're called. So that's right. Yeah. Um. So the first question I thought we would start with is. How in the world did you become Twitter's pastor? <laughs> like, how does that happen exactly? So I just want you to kind of walk us through it, if you don't mind, about how exactly that happens to a person. So um, what happens when um, a bout of, like, low blood sugar and... <laughs> um, Going to Pizza Hut to get a personal pan pizza mm. and a sheer happenstance of reading something from a Christian website kind of come together. Um, I was I, literally I was just hungry and I make poor decisions when I'm hungry. And um, I said, oh, I want a um, personal pan pizza. So I like went to. Pizza Hut. Now I was sitting in Pizza Hut in like 2021 or something like that, um, <laughs> eating a personal pan pizza, and I was just scrolling. Like I'm always, I'm always scrolling, and um, I see this um, text, I mean, this tweet from like a Christian radio station in Atlanta, and said, "Well, like Dale Curry uh, is getting divorced from his wife or whatever of uh, so many years and all that, all that kind of good stuff or whatever." And I was like, okay, like one, I know that like Dale Curry is a uh, North Carolina kind of entity. Um, not super famous, but more famous because his son is like Stephen. Steph Curry. Uh, Curry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is like a North Carolina thing. Yeah, right? Because they were, he was a Charlotte Hornets player back in the day when Charlotte Hornets, Charlotte had the Hornets. So I was like, I'm like, okay, I know he's Dale Curry's, I mean, if he's Steph Curry's dad, <laughs> he's a man of a certain age. <laughs> and that age is not always time for me to get, like, divorced from my wife age. Like, mm-hmm. this is more of a, you need to sit down somewhere age and, like, <laughs> just, like, kind of be grateful age. He's There's not, a difference. Like, not old. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah he's, he's, in, he's, in that, he's in that range. And so... <laughs> Um, I was like, you know, really and truly, and the other part about it was like, I'm, I'm, I'm still like my blood sugar is low, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm fighting demons at this time, <laughs> and I'm trying my best to fight back, but they're winning, <laughs> and so I'm going through all of these like different emotions or whatever, and like I'm trying to like wait for my personal pan pizza to get there, and I'm like, man, I, also I am like a real life pastor. Like right. real life, mm-hmm. we should say that. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, you know, <laughs> like have a congr- have pastor congregations, 
Mm-hmm. You know, like people come and talk to me and like they they pour out their souls, right? And I was dealing with or talking through, uh, talking with some couples about like like partnership and all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was in the swirl of things. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm a little exhausted. <laughs> and I feel really therapeutic at the moment. So I was like, all the things that I can't say to these people who are looking at their lives and saying, oh, let me blow it up. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me go right. and say it to the void that sure. is Twitter. Sure. Honestly, I don't think yeah, anybody no, no one takes me seriously. <laughs> no one listens on Twitter. Right. Right. 100% sure. of the time. No one takes me seriously. One time. <laughs> one time. The one time. Like someone takes me seriously is like when when a thing happens. So I'm again, I've always like for a solid decade, I've always created threads. Um I had a student who I was like um uh, advising and she like taught me how to use Twitter. She was like, No, no, no. You don't just like make one big tweet. You make like a sentence, mm-hmm. then you go to the next tweet mm-hmm. and you like just do another sentence, right? Whatever. Mm. So you just like it's a it's a stream of thought. That's how you use Twitter. And so I've been threading for like a decade. I mean, again, no one cared. Right. They right. don't they don't care that I talk a lot. They don't care that like I was a big mouth. They don't care that I was like I was a smart ass. They didn't care about any of those things. No one cared until they cared. Mm-hmm. And um and so that was just my way of kind of unloading on um a culture uh-huh. that had not had significant pushback and deliberate thought concerning like partnering and concerning um, the equipment and the tools that we were bringing to um, the idea of partnership and what that kind of looks like. Right. Means. Yeah. And so um, like a lot of people laughed at it, but then it was like, the tr- okay, things are funny because they have like little nuggets of truth in them. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. And so um, it was funny, like everybody was like ah, ha ha ha, but then people were like, also, damn, that's kind of no, it's real, yeah, no. kind of real. Those are the best yeah. tweets. Those yeah, and so it, it kind of yeah. stuck and stayed with with them in a, uh, in a different place. And so uh, it's been used as a warning. Uh, it's been used by wives to um, <laughs> temper uh, the expectations of their husbands. It's been used by best friends. It's been used by prayer groups. It's been used by people uh, over, like, I think they had a wine night one time. And um, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it's been used in, in a lot of places. Just Katy this, Perry. This, this sweet thread. Um, this is the Katy Perry one. Okay, yeah, all right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah, Katy Perry, um, um, Tech Nine, uh, rappers, um, artists, Gabrielle Union, everybody's kind of, like, interacted yeah. and engaged with that. Um, yeah with that thread or whatever. But anyway, so that's effectively how I became Twitter's pastor. They just thought I was a guy. Uh-huh. And then like the entire time I was uploading sermons on Sunday to Twitter, I had uh, 10,000 followers uh, before the, the thread, which I thought was great. Because yeah. mm-hmm. again, you know, a guy from Tuscaloosa County, we were like, we didn't expect, you know, me really, really very much of me anyway. <laughs> So I was like, this is 10,000 is great. 
Um, and then 40 other thousand people came to join in. And so we've been right. kind of doing that for about two years now. Yep. So that's how I became Twitter's pastor. You know, it's it's funny because that's the thread where um, like one of the running jokes in my household is you don't have the cholesterol to be out there, right? Yes, right? Like this is a thing that my partner and I say to each other is like just routinely, like just a reminder, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you don't like just just keep it in mind. Right. Everybody knows this, right? Like just just we want to be sure. About it's again, this, it's right? a like, yeah. It's a warning. <laughs> but it's also it's not it's not really a threat. You know, no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's, like it's just real. It's right. Just it's, real. It's, just, it's more yeah. of a reminder that, hey, but, you know, we, we might say some things that are kind of rough to each other or, you know, we might have a disagreement. But whatever you got going on in here is better than what you're going to get out there. What's going on out there. Right. 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 Um, so one of the things that I think is so interesting about this is, like you said, you've been already been talking about stuff like this online, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a ministry that focuses on sexuality and mm-hmm. spirituality um, beyond the church walls, but also inside the church, right? That you're doing right. both of these things. And so can you tell us how you came to this particular ministry? So we understand how you became Twitter's pastor, right? The personal pan pizza, the hunger. Yeah the therapeutic piece there, um, <laughs> the truth that you told everyone that I think we all needed, which is why that thread resonated so much. Um, but like, how did you come to this particular ministry and like what drew you to it and keeps you going and keeps you tweeting about it, but also talking about it in your sermons and your other speaking engagements and things like this? Um, I grew up Pentecostal okay. and I'm not sure if you all have, um, kind of a structured understanding of what Pentecostalism is and what it entails. Um, but yeah, they, but you should explain it to people. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, you should give us, you should give us your primer. You should definitely yeah, give us that. the primer yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. So um, <clears throat> growing up Pentecostal um, really meant that we were immersed, um, immersed in a world where um, there was a, uh, a bifurcation between the body and the soul. And we were told that we were in constant and persistent um, a struggle between that which was helpful to the soul and that which was helpful or that what that which pleased the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that, um, those things that gave you sensual delight um, gave you sp- placed you in spiritual um, peril. Okay. So if you liked something, if it felt good to you, then it was probably bad, probably sin. Um, That happened to uh, pertain to sex a lot. And so, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, And and so um, growing up in that way, I was taught a healthy amount of shame. I, I am a third generation preacher. Okay. My grandfather and grandmother were both ministers. Uh, my father was a minister uh, and I'm a minister. Um, and no one in three generations of gospel ministers until maybe me have said, wait, the divine said it was good. Um, that was the consensus of the, uh, of the text concerning creation is goodness right 
Um, but we've been taught like mortal peril concerning mm-hmm. our bodies, concerning desire, concerning um, those things that um, bring us delight and like and physical joy, right? Uh, and so, um, uh, I I was always equipped with um, a predilection for intellectual and theological peril. Okay, um, I was I was all like I was one of those kids that was gonna like ask the challenging questions. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so people didn't like that, and especially um, the people in my father's ministry because he was like, "Do you know your son is asking?" <laughs> And I was like, well, you all want me to be here, so I'm going to ask these challenging questions. Um, And even though I was chided and rebuffed at every turn concerning, like, the questions that I had for um, theology and ecclesiology, um, I I still felt connected to um, communities that were loving and that were um, prophetic Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. you know, sought to do justice. Uh, and so um, I could have like just, you know, straight up said, no, this ain't for me. I'm going to go find, you know, like a nine to five and do something else or whatever. But I felt a sense of calm. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided that my call, because of my unique equipment, intellectually and spiritually, um it required that I do a little more preparation than your standard. I'm going to get up here, breathe in real deep and just, you know, say whatever kind of comes uh-huh. up when it comes to um, the text and when it comes to um, preparation. So I decided to go to seminary. I went to okay. what I did not know at the time. <laughs> I was going to a seminary that was in the midst of a tension. So I went to McAfee school of theology in Atlanta Ooh. And they were a school that broke off from uh, the Southern Baptist Convention right? Um, in 2000 um, based upon some things that actually happened at a conference. And so there was uh, a sect of, of scholars, a sect of theologians um, that went off um, to, um, um, to like form other kind of seminaries, other kind of teaching mm-hmm. modules uh, in different places. And so um, I am a um, a product of uh, a rich um, black church liberation theology um, home. And then I am formalized or have my formalized education um, through some nice kind of hippie white folks <laughs> um, who broke away from the Southern Baptist uh, Church. Uh, and made themselves a new home in Atlanta, Georgia, who are, um, uh, I mean, phenomenal people, uh, justice-seeking. They are open-minded, um, taught me how to question the text, mm. um, taught me about um, loving my neighbor in real and intentional ways, um, and taught me how to hone uh, my gifts. I did not know how much um, they had prepared me for this moment Mm -hmm. until um, things kind of, kind of spiral and kind of go like different ways or whatever, until you 
you get a platform until you like, mm-hmm. and it's beyond just like, okay, well, you know, on my Sunday morning, I might see 60 people, but you know, on a day-to-day basis, I tweet to about 55,000. Yeah. Right. Um, and so um, the question then becomes, if I can only reach 55 on Sunday morning, but on like Monday morning, I can reach 55,000. Mm-hmm. What do I want these people to know about the divine? Mm. Right. Do I, do I want them to know my prejudice? Do I want them to know bigotry? Do I want them to know hostility? Do I want them to know cruelty? Like, what do I want them to know about right. the divine? Um, and that's something that um, Graham Walker taught me right there in seminary, you know, while I was, you know, kind of like figuring it all out. Um, do you want people to know that God is good? Or do you want mm-hmm. people to know that God is petty mm. um, and belligerent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I c- can I ask you real quick. So, so you mentioned. Uh, I mean, you made an allusion to Genesis one earlier, right? Where where there's this very sort of. I, and I teach a course on this, so I, I always highlight this to my students, which is that you know, every so often God sort of like sits back and calls things good and like how how sort of very weird and revolutionary that is within sort of ancient theology, right? That um, this idea of like an optimistic <clears throat> theology and the creation as something that is not fallen and, and desperate, but but good and intentional. Um, and how often that is that is missed and how, as you point out, that sort of contradicts uh, the, the idea of uh, all sort of material life being um sinful and 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 dirty and and fallen and so forth um so i was interested to see like when you kind of first realized that like how you started putting the pieces together and then also like what you think um because i i talked to brandon robertson sometime a couple years ago and 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 he does a lot of work as well on like re-understanding scripture as being you know in terms of what it says about sexuality and like a more sex positive um, kind of Christianity. At what point in the journey that you just described, then, like, did those things start coming together? Where you started like seeing that what Scripture was saying about, you know, to you about about the body and about um, about the material world uh, did not jive with what you've been told. And like, what are some other uh, points of Scripture that you would point to, right, to say that like, no, this is not what we're supposed to be thinking or this is not how we're supposed to be thinking about each other and about and about you know living within this this world yeah um i think that one of the things that um or one of the kind of textual points that always interests me is the way that jesus is in desperate pursuit to save the creation and if it's so bad, right. why is he trying to save it? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, uh, and because of this, like desperate person, like I mean, you can you can hear in the text this the urgency that Christ um, is is placing on reaching those who have been uh, disenfranchised by the temple system, and so um, the question then becomes. For me, uh, a person who is a part of the temple system, uh, am I working with or working towards those individuals, those ideal ideas and those ideals 
um, that I believe that Christ or the gospel is pressing us towards the marginalized, those who have been disenfranchised, those who have been left out? Or I'm or am I just effectively uh, playing the company song and toting the company line? Um, one of the things that is important for me is that, like, if you're a Christian, uh, I'm trying to be a Christian. I'm not a very good one. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I think that's like one of the commonalities among yeah. people in general. So I'm, I'm yeah. not. I'm not a very good one. Um, I don't think if he said I'm a great Christian, I don't know that that I don't know that that would seem. I want to come back to that because yeah. um, <laughs> what the people that I think are the best Christians know something about themselves that says that they don't feel like they're very good at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like when I tell people that, like I'm not a, a good person, or, you know, I don't, I don't feel that way. I'm like I am definitely in process. Um, I just mm-hmm. happen to let my freak flag fly a little further. Um, <laughs> so, even even like even in saying all of that, right? So, um, the way that we understand gospel and the way that we understand Jesus' uh, interaction and engagement with the temple system and religion itself is from a Socratic standpoint. Christ is questioning tradition. He's questioning those things that we've done uh, before. He's questioning power uh, in ways that are, are accessible to him and ways that he can actually like engage with, right? And so if you're going to be a part of um, a tradition that involves Christ, you also must take into account that tradition from that Socratic framework. Yeah. Like I got to be questioning that which I've been given because we, un- Jesus understands that power can be abusive and Christians uh, should understand that power can be abusive. Now, how does that go down to ideas when it comes to our bodies and our sexualities and our orientations and our presentations and our choices, um, we have to question the power that tells us that bodies are wrong, Mm -hmm. that that which feels good is wrong, uh, that our genders, our orientations, how we understand the world and each other is wrong. We have to press push back against like forces that continue continue to tell us that it can only be one way and not the other, right? Mm. And so when I come to the text, I I um I'm I'm looking for oh I'm sorry, that's my bracelet. I'm looking for <laughs> I wear these jingly bracelets. You can't see it. Okay, you can't see it. I was, I'm, no, I'm, but we can we can hear it's like this wonderful like background noise though. I'm gonna take like it, off. it just no but it adds to the character of it it really does but please continue okay. go ahead so, yeah. <laughs> um we, we continue to like I continue to uh engage the text from a place of one curiosity but then two like Jesus hopefully like I ain't like Jesus I'm I want to be like I want to be better I'm not gonna be like Jesus I want to be better so I'm not better than Jesus but better than myself <laughs> I, no, I got that. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right, right. yeah. See, they're not going to get it. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, so if I want to continue to 
follow after Christ in the gospel, I must also follow after the curiosity, right? I must also follow after the beauty, follow after the grace, follow after the mercy, right? Um, And that's the beauty of our story. It's not in the rules and regulations. It's in finding the humanity, finding the courage to be human, to be human amongst humans, mm-hmm. um, that we find the beauty and the, and the the benevolence of the divine. And so, uh, I don't know if I answered your question. Oh no, that was a great answer. Okay, cool. that was a great answer. Well, it's, yeah. it's one of those answers that this is where this is where you always get me, Solomon, because I and I've told you this before, which is I am decidedly unchurched. Right. Like this is not a secret. Our listeners know this. Um, But when you start talking this way, I'm always like, damn it. (laughs) I could go there. Like I could go there because there's this like way in which you talk about this. that's just so beautiful and so loving and so merciful. And it's so saturated with goodness and the humanity piece is so front and center Mm -hmm. that it's, I think, so different and so appealing Mm -hmm. um, because it's just not what I'm going to get at churches that are around me. It's just not right. Like, I mean, I live in rural Florida. Like this is not what I'm going to walk into um, in any way, shape or form. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things where I'm like, he's done it again, right? Like, he's, he's made me. It's like he's good at his keep, job or something. It's like it's... he's really good at this and makes me want to be a part of this congregation, right? When, um, when you do this. And so I think that there's something about how human centered the gospel that you present. Um, is that is part of your broader appeal. I don't know what you would have to say about that, but I think that's the reason that you have people that are like, I'm an atheist, but I'm here for it. You know, like these kinds of responses that you get um, from folks, which I'm always so amused by because I feel like the same way where I'm just like, oh, again, again, he's reeled me in, you know? Um, Um, so. So to say something about that, um when i'm when i'm thinking through like gospel mm-hmm. um and thinking through like the implications of of gospel um it's not that people have been designed for the idea of church. That's a poor way to conceptualize what the institution of church is for. Like we have to go get people for church. Mm-hmm. No. Um, people are not for church. Church <laughs> is for people. Sure. Yeah. We are designed. The church should be like, and I know, I know like, uh, okay. There's a, it's a whole nother like deal when I talk to like my other colleagues about these mm-hmm. ideas. I get it. Like I am on the periphery. I won't be the, you know, I won't be going to the conferences. It's fine. <laughs> um, but church 
the institution, the idea of church is not uh, a place where we go and like hostage take people (laughs) and just like pull them out of the world and into like the bowels of the old ship. No, church has been designed as a communicator of divine grace to creation. If there is no creation, there is no church. It's not a hard equation. What do you think you're doing in here? This is not for you. This is for them. This is for those who feel themselves to be disconnected, for folks who feel themselves to be uh, to be, you know, lowered, to be caught out there, who don't feel like they can find a sense of self, a sense of purpose, a sense of being. No, the the church is not for um, the people are not for the church. Mm. The church is for the people. We we pull for the people. We we struggle for the people. We are fighting with the people. So when we like misunderstand, like, oh man. So um I was listening to one of my um preaching heroes. I call her JPR. Don't tell her I call her JPR. Julie <laughs> Pennington Russell. Okay. I don't know. Y'all may not have y'all may not know who Julie Pennington Russell is. But anyway, Julie Pennington Russell is an amazing preacher white lady and she's um she came to speak um while i was in seminary at, at mcafee um and literally every time she talks she speaks she like blows my socks off like, <laughs> yeah jpr is the one um and uh jpr was talking about how um that when we're preaching to people we're trying to connect to them to let them know that they are not alone right and so in letting people know that they're not alone it means that if this thing that they're experiencing doesn't change they're still not alone what if somebody who's struggling with addiction never gets free from addiction what if they're always an addict? Did we fail? The point is not getting them free from addiction. The point is letting them know that they're not alone. That even in it, like even in, in your worst thing, you're still not alone. Like if you never find whatever you need to like free yourself from that thing, you're still loved. And how crazy is that? That you can be surrounded by people that will tell you, man, if you, if it never changes, I'm still here. Right. I I, I want to know what you would, because we've talked about um, this in our last episode, which is the, um, the sort of void of um, community availability for people who um, are not connected to a religion or um, outright don't believe in any kind of higher power or any kind of religious structure uh, but who would want that right <laughs> and who would and who would like to be connected to 
that sort of sense of belonging and community and, and not being alone in their struggles and that sort of thing. Um, what, what would you say, like, what do you say to, I, I'm sure at some point in your life, someone has come to you with that sort of predicament. Um, and so like, what, what do you say to people like that? It's so difficult because like, we're in a, a like a transition when it comes to what church has been and what church will be. Yeah. Um, and it's, It's hard now. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, like doing what I do as like a pastor uh, has probably got another five to ten years on it. Huh. Um, like I don't pastor a large congregation. Um, the congregation that I pastored before. I was barely able to like make live mm. doing that full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the way that we think of church, again, not the mega church, there's, there's going to be like a hundred mega churches and that'll be it. Like, like one per state or two per state. And then some states like North Dakota may not get one at all. It's fine. Um, we leave North Dakota out a lot. It's like vineyards um, going to become like Cobra Kai and just take yeah, over. yeah, literally. <laughs> and so, helping people understand uh, and find community beyond like the conceptualized church building is going to be of utmost importance. And this is what I say to people: like I call them young people, but then people you have to understand like. <laughs> I'm a young person in my church, yeah. but I'm 42 yep. in three days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They think of me as a young person, right? Um, but helping young people understand that this is going to be one, a hard time to do institutional church and be and make a living doing institutional church, mm-hmm. and two, an awesome time to do gospel-centered communities. Now, the other part of this is the communities that that need to be formed are not, Oh, we're going to get you saved and get you right and get you all that kind of good. That's, that's done. I'm sorry. That paradigm no longer exists. So I'm not going to get you saved. I'm going to get you loved, not Mm. loved in your special parts. That's your business. Uh, that's, that's an entirely different profession. Sure, <laughs> I, love, sure. I love the disclaimer, like how quick you were on it too. Like you're like, just like, you're just like, you're going to be really quick. Really I've quick learned that you yeah. have to appeal to the lowest common denominator because there's always going to be like one person that's going to say, what do you mean by that? Yeah. yeah yep. Yeah, yeah. No, that's always the case. It's always just, the yeah. Case. Rip so, off the bandaid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so just, just get that out there now. Not loved. I, I, do, I have no desire to get you loved in, in that way. And that profession but, is in no, is in no uh, danger of extinction anytime. So. Right. It's the oldest, as they but say. It, so world. our job is not to get you saved, <laughs> not to get you right, but our job is to make sure to get you loved, get yeah. you cared for, get <laughs> you seen to like, literally we are a place of synthesis where we come together and we learn how to fight for what's right. That sounds like an 80 song. Hold on. It, yeah. Little, Wait, just a little bit. <laughs> hold on. That's a, that's a song. The glory of love. I just did the glory of love. Anyway. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Second karate kid reference. In the yeah, last I, I love, you did. You did it first. I know. I know. Um, 
Hey, look, I'm, I'm here for Karate Kid references. I <laughs> love Karate Kid. So oh, yeah. um, helping people understand that this is going to be a difficult decade for people who want to do gospel-centered communities that are prophetic, justice-seeking, uh, rooted in love, uh, courageous, know how to fight for what's right. Um, this is going to be a difficult decade. But if we find the courage to form uh, intentional communities in this time, whether they be digital, whether they be in person, uh, whether it be um, uh, uh, this amazing ministry in um, Philadelphia where they go to bars and sing hymns and drink beer, um, you know, finding if I mean, in the next three to four years, if it's singing old Beyonce songs, right, um, if, if it's, you know, painting <laughs> I mean, literally, wow, the renaissance. Yeah. Um, there should not be any Beyonce songs referred to as old. Like, we can't, let's not do that. But yes, I get what you're saying. <laughs> okay. So, old in the Beyonce catalog. Right. I, I mean, yeah, older, yeah, yeah, yeah. older Beyonce songs. Older. That's right. fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those are really the older ones are the only ones I can sing anyway. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, whatever the centralizing, like, activity is for those communities, Plus, so if it if it's uh, we come together and we sing, um, oh, what are my Broadway standards? I would love to do that. Anyway, uh, like show <laughs> tunes, yeah, and, and we raise money for um, uh, housing, right? If it's uh, we are a collective of artists that uh, come together to help each other, like sharpen our tools. I don't know what artists do because I have no artistic ability. I'm just a <laughs> mouth and a brain. That is literally all I'm doing. That's an art. Right. That's an art. Um, uh, you know, we are that. We are an artist collective plus we raise money to support um, the school. So those intentional um, communities that are going to be formed around gospel ideas, but it won't necessarily be religion per se. Uh, it's going to be, do you know how to love well? Uh, do you know how to speak truth uh, in compassion? Those are all tools that we're going to have to hone, refine, and perfect to be uh, the ch- a form of church moving forward. It's going to be less scripture-based ba- and, and a lot more love-based. But if we're good and we do it well, then we'll learn from the scripture that there is a people uh, that perseveres through obstacles and perils. And in that perseverance, we learn how to care for one uh, one another better. So Mm -hmm. we build effectively, we build temples to remind ourselves that once we were dispersed, but now we're gathered together again. See, you get me. You get me every time. pulls me in and I'm like, yes, I do want to build intentional community with other writers to do social justice causes. Let me go do this right now yeah. after we're done with this recording. I'll, yeah. I'm going to get on that in my spare time. Right. Like <laughs> this is how, and this is how these things happen. Right. Um, exactly like this. Um, so you're writing a book. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> that's the right that's the right response. Isn't that yeah, the right that's exactly response? how you're supposed amazing. to respond to your writing that's a book. How I respond anytime yep. anybody asks me that kind of question too. Mm-hmm. So I just love to be on the other side of it. 
Um, so can you tell us about this book that you're writing and what you're writing about? Okay. Um, so, um, Dr. Kelly Baker is my friend. <laughs> That's important it's to start setup. with. It's a setup question it's is setup, what it is. Right. <laughs> and, um, I was approached about like writing a book. Let me just be clear. I am 100% sure that no one wants to hear about what I have to say. Mm-mm. I'm 100% mm-hmm. sure. No, no, awesome. no shut we it down. We are going to prove that through me writing this book. <laughs> we are not. It will be confirmed. <laughs> Once my mama and my brother and my three nieces have all purchased <laughs> copies of the book. Oh, I'm buying a copy. The three nieces yeah. are definitely I'm buying a copy. I am buying yeah. a copy. Are you yeah. kidding? Once me? I sell a total of five books, it will be confirmed <laughs> that no one <laughs> wants to hear what I have to say. Okay, so that that's being that being the case, I was approached about writing a book, and there were a few books that um, I was approached about, and probably going to do those in the future. Mm-hmm. When I have time. <laughs> well, listen, you write one book and then it's over, friend. Then yeah. you write another and then another. And yeah, yeah that's what and happens. the hits keep coming. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, I was approached about, and he they literally asked me, you know, these are the three kind of directions that I feel like you can go in for now and would have a little traction. And you're already kind of sort of writing about that stuff on Twitter for free anyway. Right. <laughs> Which, not no. Sure. Um, and so um, they said, well, what would you think about writing a book about Christians dating or Christian dating? And I said, oh, Okay. <laughs> oh. So, um, I am um, a he him that um, has been married and divorced and is a middle aged person. That sounds so weird to say middle aged person. Oh, listen, we were talking about birthdays and ages in our yeah. intro. We're all feeling it. Yeah. You're turning 42, she's turning 43, I'm turning 44, and it's like all within a couple weeks. So we get it. Oh, we hear you. Wow. Yeah, we're... So um, so anyway, happy birthday to you all. <laughs> Thank you. Also, also, shall I say, Leo's Unite. Leo's. Seriously. Yes, right. Yep. Um, yep. Um, so, Three middle-aged um, Leos talking about dating. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> talking about dating. So, um, <laughs> what I wanted to do is give a is write a book that I needed when I was 18 Mm. Mm -hmm. about being a person of faith and wanting to date well not be perfect right not um, you know do this without any like flaws or anything but I want to date well and what do you know at 42 that you didn't know at 22? Oh, right. man. Right? Oh, man. Right? right? <laughs> Everything so, and nothing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's so scary. I promise you, it's so scary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> so if you're going to do this well, um, I believe that you're going to need some tools. 
the problem is that most of the tools that we've been equipped with from like our um, pseudo Christian relationship sphere is a bunch of bull. Yeah. And so um, Dr. Kelly Baker said, um, (laughs) what if you write like not a Christian dating book? And I said, Dr. Kelly Baker, (laughs) that is the name of my book. There you go. So my hopefully I'm going to uh, write this book, uh, not a Christian dating book um, that talks about the tools that we need to um, date well. And hopefully date well. And this is going to draw from some of my experiences. I'm going to tell some antidotes and some little stories and try to make people laugh a little bit. And then I'm going to maybe give us some equipment, mm. some things yeah. that we can build with. Uh, not BS, not, um, you know, um, excuse me, not, um, oh, well, you need to wait 90 days before you have sex. <laughs> You need right. to you know God, you know, uh, sent sent you that husband, or God sent you that wife, or uh, I'm I'm not giving you the, um, you know, you need to act like a wife and don't act like a girlfriend and act like a husband and this that and the third and you know change your expect. I'm not giving you any of that. I'm giving you um, pieces concerning introspection, reflection, um, and consciousness prayerfully consciousness um, about what we need um, to know about self, um, how to make room for uh, the needs and expectations of others, and how to um, think through spirituality um, in ways that are joyful, in ways that are transparent, in ways that are uh, reciprocitous, uh, and in ways that... um, cultivate courage because that's what effectively what we're trying to do. We're trying to cultivate courage because it takes courage to date. Well, and you're trying to get out of that kind of competition mindset too, right? That often happens with dating. I assume Mm -hmm. that where people are trying to date and they're trying to somehow win at dating, you know, the kind of weird like the bachelor happens there. Yeah. Like, like the bachelor or, just this kind of sense that, you know, what you want to do is that you want to be the one who's the winner in whatever (laughs) competition the relationship is. And that always strikes me as sort of an odd approach to have. Well, I would also, I would also assume that you're sort of like, you're sort of, you know, running against the tide a little bit as well, because I mean, I'm sure in some of the circles that you um, minister to and that you're writing the book for, there's like, you know, residual purity culture stuff going on there as well. So it's like not just being, you know, in your mid forties and dating or whatever, you know, that sort of target audience is, but how do you, how do you take into consideration, not just providing kind of, um, a, a roadmap and some, and some guidance, but also, um, an equipment, as you say, I like that term, uh, but also sort of, you know, for lack of a better word, deprogramming right? some of these, yeah. um, some of these assumptions and some of these, you know, sort of indoctrinations that are really often very sort of deeply um, ingrained in some of these audiences. Yeah, because even after, uh, this is something Dr. Megan Goodwin says that even if you're done with church, church is not done. Oh with yeah. You. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, or we're done with religion. Religion is not done. With right. That's, that's yeah. Right. Yep. Right. And so the way that it continues to infect, impact, infect, because it does infect um, the way that we think, impact, right? Because it changes the way that we approach um, certain ideas and certain practices. Uh, but then influence, right? Because we take these ideas and take them to the next place, the next uh, people yeah. group that we're among. Um, and how do we shed those ideas, shed those practices, shed those fears, um, and live a more bold? Uh, again, there's something that's attached to boldness that I don't like that's kind of um, truthy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and performative. And yeah. so I want to, so that we live a more mm, authentic. <laughs> we were just talking about that. Yeah. yeah because I, at the end of the day, I, I'm not looking for success. I'm looking for authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I want to be able to, because if I don't find nobody and the reality is I'm getting a little older. And it might not happen. I hope it happens. Fingers yeah. crossed. But um, if I don't find nobody, um, I need to find um, me. Mm-hmm. Like the courage to be me. The courage to not fold myself under uh, for any institution, whether the institution be partnership or um, or the church. Right. I'm not I'm not folding under. I'm not going to be less than. Uh, just to be loved. And that is um, the courage, the hopefulness that I hope to, um, I ain't going to say instill and spark because that suggests I have a, a, a spectrum of control that I just don't simply believe I have. <laughs> mm. um, but I hope to maybe inspire just a little bit um, in the hearts and soul of the people that like, you know, I'm I want you to find the authenticity to be the courage to be. I like it. And I think, I think 18 year old Kelly would have appreciated it a lot. And yeah, you know, 43, that's how old I am, John. That's what we agreed on. 43 year old Kelly probably appreciates that a lot too. Um, Cause I think that's a message. I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Like I, I think it's what's so interesting about it is that, um, that it's a message that you might be writing for a younger self, but I think it's so applicable to right. folks at whatever age that they're talking about, that this goes beyond some sort of dating advice, that it's really about how we right. understand ourselves and how we treat ourselves and think right. about ourselves more generally, but also how we think about our bodies and what mm-hmm. we do with our bodies and how we handle that and getting past all that, um, all those feelings that we have um, that are buried deep. Um mm-hmm because of religious experiences can be and real. the religious packaging that tells us that that which feels good is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So somehow we have been taught to believe that, you know, that our orgasm is the enemy of the divine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so anything that propagates a healthy sexuality is somehow at odds with God. Right. Um, and decoupling um, harmful ideas from our sexuality. Because again, at the end of the day, like what you do, you know, in your, your, your great parts, 
is not really a is not really the locus of the gospel. I mean, <laughs> but think about it. Think about how much stuff is loaded into the idea of like of sex when it comes to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, just from a, a vantage point of um textual engagement, we talk about sex in church a whole lot more than the Bible talks about sex. And, and we talk about wealth and equality a hell of a lot less. Right, so, right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so getting to a place where we're saying, wait a minute, is this what like either the, the divine is a pervert or the divine yeah. has hired perverts because it's all they want to talk about yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and, and without further equipment, right. You would think these people to be like sex therapists or like, um, <laughs> you know, sex educators, but they're not, they're just yeah. old white men right. being weird behind a mic. <laughs> All the time, and so helping us to um, to think through our bodies in ways that are joyful, that bring uh, delight, um, and that frankly we can laugh about, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not always the the ways that we even engage and interpret sex is it's not so. Sometimes it's not hot. Sometimes it's funny. Oh yeah, sure, and Absolutely. and it's okay to laugh at it. Um, <laughs> It's okay to to have a sex life that is filled with joy and it doesn't have to be filled with anxiety. And we can talk about it in healthy and, um, and constructive ways. And we can talk about things that make us feel good and not always talk about things that make us feel bad. Right, right. Well, I think it's going to be a heck of a book and <laughs> that lots of people are going to buy it and you're wrong. I and, agree. I agree. And, and I if you are wrong. wrong, then you're going to have to text me and say, Dr. Kelly J. Baker, I was wrong. So just keep that in mind. I know you oh, say you're a bad Christian. And you're trying Kelly to be, Baker be, be right again. <laughs> let me be right again. I don't get to be right in my own house because I have a teenager. I, so I know you're trying to be, be right. you're trying to be humble, like a good Christian, but like it, it's, it's going <laughs> to sell good. like hotcakes. It's going to be great. Say. Some kids, kids in the twenties. Kids in the twenties said that, but yeah, yeah, sure, Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure that we're only forty-four, John. Yeah, sure, okay. Meantime, I'm not. Yeah, you will. (laughs) (laughs) All right, where can anyone find you, Solomon, if they aren't already following you on Twitter? Um, Which they should be. Which I am all across the internet, Solomon, Missouri. I did not know we were not doing our our fake names. I didn't know we were doing fake names. And so when I started all of this, I was just like, oh, I don't have the creativity to create a name. So I just said Solomon, Missouri. <laughs> and now I am stuck with being Solomon, Missouri. And it is definitely impacting my professional life. Anyway, neither that. Solomon, Missouri, all across the Internet. Um, I wish I had done my fake name. Anyway, there we go. <laughs> That's okay. I went with my real name. And so people can track me down. With your middle even, initial. Like, with my middle like, initial. Give me like, more information. I mean, like, yeah. you like more information on me. Please see my middle initial also. Yeah. Right. No, it's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we can find you all over the internet that way. Um, you also have a Patreon. Yeah, I have is- a Patreon. 
Uh, I don't know if it's called Patreon, but I I, I, I don't Baker, know. I always pronounce Kelly, it wrong. Don't Kelly know. Baker. We're gonna go. We will defer no. to Dr. Kelly Baker. Mm-mm, don't defer to me. You're gonna be wrong. Okay. Um, All right. You, you have not been wrong. So a uh, I, have a, uh, I, have a, I have a Patreon. Um, uh, I have. I try to make the the tiers for like all kind of folks, whatever. Um, so yeah, just I have a Patreon. I have a website. Um, I have Instagram. All of them are Solomon, Missouri, irreverent, uh, little podcast that I try to do occasionally. Um, yeah, on TikTok, Solomon, Missouri, I'm Solomon, Missouri everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Yep. Well, we appreciate you being with us. This was great. It and was great. I am so excited that you were my birthday episode last oh. time I get to say it. So it's made my day. <laughs> I'm actually really impressed. You managed to get through basically the whole episode without saying it. I again, did. So, I yeah. had to hold, yeah. like, I had to hold on. Really, there were really allusions tight. to it, like, but there like, were, but yeah. like, I held it together so I could. And it should be noted time. that Kelly, uh, Dr. Kelly Baker, is wearing the Bud T-shirt. I she, am. Wearing merch. I'm wearing Bud merch. On, on her I birthday. am on my on my birthday. I made yeah. sure. I want you to know, and our listeners should know that my teenager walked in this morning, looked at me, and was like. Are you wearing Solomon, Missouri merch today? And I said, Yes, I am. Yep. And so even my children can identify your merch, sir, in my house. So you should be <laughs> <laughs> you should be impressed. <laughs> so you got a couple more books there. So yeah. I think. Just a couple more sold. Yeah. yeah. We're up to like seven copies. Solomon, yeah, so you know. Yeah, it's real. The journey of a thousand miles or whatever. Uh, <laughs>